Welcome to the Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. And we have the Vody Botham. That's right. In studio with us. So delighted to have you here with us, brother. Thank you. Yes. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, man. It's good to have you all the way from Lusaka, yes, Zambia. Yes. And uh, Vody's joining us for the last couple of days and tonight to uh, for a special in- Institute of Public Theology event. And so you preached yesterday morning at Grace Baptist Church. Had a wonderful time there. Last night, we kind of t- caught up on what's been going on in your life the last year yeah. and the providence of God. That was a wonderful opportunity just to hear you kind of piece things together with a timeline and i think that's available isn't it isn't that conversation going to be available in the on the iopt facebook page and also in the armory so uh thanks for that and tonight you'll be speaking again we got a pastor's conference today you'll be talking to the bunch of guys so uh man welcome to southwest florida thank you Yes, I guess before we get into it, just a heads up that we do have a conference coming up, Militant and Triumphant, uh, January, down here in Southwest Florida. Vody will be preaching, you'll be preaching, I'll be preaching, Conrad and Bayway will be preaching, James Coates will be preaching, Travis Allen will be preaching, mm-hmm. lots of folks going to be here. We'd love for you to come. You can register at founders.org. Yeah, and Vody will also be teaching the third course that uh, we are offering in the Institute of Public Theology on cultural apologetics. So that'll be uh, right before the Founders Conference. So you actually can register for that course. The registrations are open for IOPT. And if you want to take that course, you need to get in early on that. And so you can come for the course, stay for the conference. It'll be a wonderful opportunity to uh, really be fed and challenged. We we have a, a neat opportunity going on right now, too. We have a donor who has said he will match all the gifts given to IOPT through the end of the year. So if God is put you in a position where you can contribute we would love to have that help we need that help and uh, we would trust the lord to guide you in that you want more information just contact us we'll be glad to tell you about it well Vody, you've written the book fault lines the social justice movement and evangelicalism's looming catastrophe we've already spoken on this podcast about your book and so a lot of people uh, already know about it and if you have not yet purchased a copy and read through it then certainly do that uh, quick fast and in a hurry um, you're delighted with the way it's been rolled out. God has clearly blessed the book. Um, how are things at this juncture, however many weeks or months we are now downstream <laughs> from having the book published? Yeah, I mean, things are better than we could ever have anticipated. <laughs> and like we talked about last night, you know, we had this plan yeah. <laughs> for the launch of the book and we had the launch team and pre-orders were going well. And, you know, I was scheduled to, to head out on this, you know, this this tour to uh, promote the book and... and um, and then, of course, you know, my heart fails and end up with a couple of heart surgeries and never got to get out um, and, and do that promotion. And yet, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, so it, it's it's been doing well. It, it really seems to have um, to have struck a nerve, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I'm excited about that, you know, both in terms of the positive response that it's received and also the negative response that it's received. I, I think um you know, you can learn as much uh, about an idea um, in in terms of who's opposed to it um, as you can uh, mm-hmm. in terms of who's in favor of it, as and well as those who are silent about it. As, so. the, um, as a side note, you know, we produced the film by what standard. I'm thinking you go after this whole critical social justice stuff. And then, you know, when we release the film, you collapse, <laughs> nearly die. <laughs> And then you write the book Fault Lines. Yeah. And when it's released, 
You nearly died. Yeah. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable around Ooh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be like, don't mess with that. Don't mess with whatever demon is behind <laughs> social justice stuff. Because that is some, yeah. that's some serious spiritual warfare yeah. manifesting that's itself. Interesting. interesting. No joke. I'm not even kidding, man. Y'all yeah. were talking last night, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. This is serious. Yeah, it is. Wow. Well, well, it's been interesting to see the response. And of course, uh, man, I'm, I'm so grateful for the positive responses from all mm-hmm. kinds of sectors. You know, pe- people that, I mean, normally aren't in, aren't in our circles, and yet they're true evangelical Christians, and they're grateful yeah. for this. And so, I mean, you were telling us about Chuck Swindoll's uh, wonderful appreciation oh, of the book, amazing. you yeah. know. And, uh, man, thank yeah. God for that. And I've, I've heard from people that are in the broader evangelical world, and they're, they're not reformed uh and and yet they're wonderful godly christians and they are praising god uh, for the book as well so there's been a good response it's a national bestseller which it became very quickly after its release and you don't have the exact numbers now but it's still no it's uh, it's still doing it's still doing well yeah and and we've been we we carry it here at founders and i don't know how many a lot of places are not carrying it by the way isn't that crazy um you know i went in we were still in jacksonville um you know i was you know in the rehab program and doing well we're getting close to getting out of there and i just thought you know it'd be great if we could go into a a barnes and noble and you know take the take the family in there and stand by the book you know Mm -hmm. on the shelf and you know take pictures or whatever and we go into barnes and noble and you know i'm looking around i'm looking at the shelves i'm looking at the bestsellers i'm looking at books that are behind us on the bestsellers list and they're all out here and we're 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 not there and then (laughs) i go to the you know religion section and i look at where it's supposed to be and, and it's not there and so i go to the counter and I ask him, you know, Hey, do you have, you know, this book, you know, fault lines. And they look in the computer and they say, um, it says we have one. And it was back in the back. They had to go back in <laughs> the back, you know, to, to get the book. And, and I, you know, so I, I contacted the, the publisher and I'm like, you know, what, what's the deal, man? There are books that are behind us on the bestsellers list that are out there on, you know, bestsellers. And, you know, so and that was the case in, in, in many places. Mm. Um, and there are still a lot of places. Uh, there are Christian bookstores that have decided not to carry the book. Lifeway? Um, well, you know, Lifeway doesn't really have their brick and mortar stores mm-hmm. anymore. But at the convention, um, Lifeway didn't, didn't have, have it book. in their I in their know. bookstore. So. Uh, again, all of that just points to um, God's providence and the way that you know this thing has has uh, has traveled, in spite of the fact that um, most of the ways that you would promote a book ha- have been have been closed. Um, so you know, just uh, couldn't be more more pleased. Mm. And so I'm telling people, go to your bookstore and uh, and and ask for it and and ask them to carry it. Uh, so. You know, we were reading um, through Fault Lines as elders here at Grace and just worked through the introduction or first chapter. I think it's the introduction. And you name names, like, right off the bat. And uh, you draw the the fault line and then you name the names. And I remember saying, you say, why is it that, that these men are on this side of the fault line and these other organizations are on the other side of the fault line? And... Um, I thought, I mean, wow, like you name the names and that's so real. Like we're sensing the realness of that in the evangelical mm-hmm. world right now. Um, and you can read the book to find the names or we can mention the names. It's not like a secret now it's in, it's in print. 
Um, and we talked about it, but it was clarifying again to say, yes, this, this divide really is there. And it was interesting to me that yeah. it came from you, like you're in Zambia, you've been in Zambia yeah. for many years now. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you're certainly uh, well-known evangelical. You've been here in, in the States and you're still here, but it was interesting that it came from you. Like, I almost feel like y'all don't want to say it. Like nobody wants to say it over there. <laughs> I'm over in Zambia. Let me give y'all some outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Like, boom, you actually yeah. put the names in print. Um, why is it? You know, as you've as, as I'm still trying to process, why is it that we have certain names on this right side and then we have the other on the other side? You know, I, I, I titled the book Fault Lines because as I looked at this, uh, the way I saw it was that there is this this fault and there are people on either side of this fault. And we know, you know, fault lines are where earthquakes take place, right? And this this fault was shifting, this fault was moving, and the divide was becoming clearer. And I think the divide has become clearer uh, even since the, the book has, has come out. And I, I just didn't think that it would be helpful for me to not be open and honest uh, about what I was talking about or about who I was talking about. I, I tried to be as charitable as I could um, and not ascribe motives, uh, but just paint a picture of what anybody who's watching was actually seeing. Mm. Yeah, here it is. Uh, the nature of the coming catastrophe. Why are people in groups like the BD Buele, Tim Keller, Russell Moore, the Southern Baptist Convention, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, Nine Marks, and Gospel Coalition, together for the gospel, being identified with critical social justice on one side of the fault, and then you list others, MacArthur, Owen Strayan, Doug Wilson, Sproul, on the other side. And? And Tom Askell. And yeah, Tom Askell. That's right. That's right. I had to pay him to put me in there. He did it. He did it. So, I, or, 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 to, or to pay me to not put you in <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I mean, there it is, man. And you look at those names 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean. Uh, and those are all of our friends. Yeah. They, those, those are all people they, that we've been doing conferences with, or we used to do yeah, conferences with yeah. uh, a, a decade ago. Um, yeah. The, it, the, uh, this is crazy. I'll be honest. It it's is. crazy. I mean, I read it, when I read it with the elders, I said, wow. And, and I would like. I would, it would be helpful, and you might not have this. I'm not, I'm not assuming you do have an answer to this. Maybe we do. It'd be helpful to know what in the world, when you have a fault line and people end up where they do, why? Uh, Mark Dever, Jonathan Lehman, you know, Al Mohler, all the SBC, uh, over here, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Doug Wilson, Tom Askell. Can somebody help me? Like, why did that... You know what are the what are the doctrinal presuppositions yeah. that cause people to shake down on the sides they did? You know, later on in the book, um, I identify what what I believe to be the cause of a lot of it, and it's not doctrine. I believe a cause the cause of a lot of it is relationships. Um, in fact, and I try to be clear about the fact that. You know, not everybody who's identified on that side of the fault line, on the critical social justice side of the fault line, is there because they hold to the ideology. Right. Uh, 
-hmm. In fact, a lot of those individuals are opposed to the, to the ideology. They're not opposed to it publicly. They're not opposed to it openly, but they're opposed to the ideology. But they have invested for the last 10, 20 years in people who are open about promoting the ideology. Mm. And so I think for a lot of these guys and a lot of these entities, um, their, their silence is more a product of their desire to hold on to relationships than it is um, evidence of them holding to critical social justice ideology. And I have to believe that a lot of those guys, once they see that this is heresy driving this, right? This is an ethical outworking of a practical outworking of a pagan religion that they w that they will say, hey, I can't go that far. Like, yeah. I can't. So it makes me think that either it hasn't dawned on them yet or they're suspicious, but they haven't fully realized yeah, it, where it's, it's coming dawned, from. It's dawned on them. It's yeah. dawned on them. Well, then they have to. It, it's, it's dawned on them. And, and, and you know, we don't want to violate any confidence here, but you and I have had conversations mm -hmm. um, about individuals who have said in private, private. Yep. Uh, that, that they get this, that they see this, uh, but that they don't want to offend. Um, in, in many instances, they don't want to offend their, their black brothers and sisters who see this differently than they do. Which, which is incredibly <clears throat> racist. Condescending. It's condescending, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about, and I, again, I write about this as well. I appreciate the fact that, for example, when I came out as Calvinist, um, that <laughs> brothers in the SBC <laughs> basically said, you know, Ichabod. It, it, it don't matter if you're black. It don't matter if you're black. It don't matter if you're black, right? It don't matter if you're black. You know, we, you're 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 anathema. You know, um, and being anathematized um, to me was an was an act of respect. Yeah, it treated you honestly. They treated me like a brother. Yeah. And what a lot of these guys are doing right now is they're not treating people like brothers. Mm -hmm. They're they're walking around on eggshells and they refuse to call people out because of this, well, anyway, I'll let them, you know, say what it is, yeah. but that's not treating people like brothers. Yeah. If you actually have disagreements, but you hold back on those disagreements and you don't hold people accountable uh, because of the color of their skin, then you're not treating them like equals. I would add a layer to this. I still think there is, there's, I, I think along with that, that's certainly huge and I'm probably the primary, especially with a number of the people. I'm sure there's individual differences among the people that are on the wrong side of the fault line. But I, I wonder about a truncated vision of the truth claims of Christ, of, of a shrinking back to a churchianity rather than a Christianity that says, well, that's a, that's a political thing. It's outside my purview. As a pastor, I shouldn't be involved in that. The, the trivializing of the kingdom of God idea. So, hey, that guy wants to play that. If, it, if it's real clear biblical ethic inside the church community, then I'm on it. But that's more, it's a political, it's a sociological thing, it's a ph philosophical thing that we can agree to disagree. I think that that's a problem um, yeah. as well. Yeah. A another problem of why people aren't addressing it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and it's, but it's becoming more and more obvious. You know, you've got people who over the last decade or so have been very open about the fact that um, 
many Christians have become too political, mm-hmm. right? Open about the fact that you know they're against this sort of transformational approach to Christianity, and yet uh, the critical social justice movement is inherently political. Yeah, and these same guys haven't said, "Listen, you guys are too political," right? The critical social justice movement is inherently transformational, right? Mm-hmm. But these same guys who have spoken out against that are not speaking out against this manifestation of it. And this hypocrisy um, is becoming more and more apparent. And at the root of this hypocrisy is the fear of being called racist or uh, the the fear of throwing away um, investments over the last couple of decades in in people. And I think it's sad. I, I agree with you. It's one of the one of the most difficult things for me in getting my mind around this. And when I finally did, and, and talking to a lot of people, you know, people smarter than I am, more experienced than I have, and you know, I've trusted for years, is, you know, you, you keep asking them if if you see that this is dangerous. And some would say they see it, and some would say, well, it's not as dangerous. It's a fad. It's going to pass in two years. You know, if I had that said to me. But whenever you begin to see it, how can you not speak out on it? And here's what I've concluded. I, I don't know. I put a bag over everybody's head after a while and just started looking at what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're not doing, mm-hmm. what they're not saying. And when you pull the bags up, you're just disappointed. I mean, you feel betrayed mm-hmm. almost by these guys. But I, I've concluded that um, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys that just don't have the kind of biblical courage that is needed to say what must be said if we're going to be faithful to Christ to do what must be done if we're going to be faithful to Christ. And they think somehow they can maneuver, manipulate, and kind of keep things together and hold on both to the relationships and to the truth. And it just can't be done. And the truth is being hammered and the gospel is being clouded over uh, for the sake of, well, you know, we're all brothers and give time, give space. And in my mind, it's like, we got a house on fire and this is not the time for negotiation. This is the time for sounding the alarms, grabbing the buckets, and doing what we got to do to fight this thing. And yeah. man, yeah. men we've counted on aren't doing it. And that's the thing with the fault line is, um, like you say, you, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to maneuver it. So if you're on the wrong side of the fault line, and as I'm looking at the book, I was wondering which side is the right side and the wrong side. And those Vody's names on the right side. So I'm saying <laughs> that's the good side of the fault line over there. If you're on Vody Bauckham's side, and if you're on the other side, clearly the gray, the light gray, must be the wrong side. But if you're on the wrong side of this fault line, but you're a good guy, if you're on the if you're on the wrong side of this fault line, but you actually are you're an Orthodox Christian. And for whatever reason, whether you don't have the courage or you don't have the worldview, you're not standing up to the, yeah. to the, to, I'm saying, okay, well, you're going to come over at some point. That's what fault lines do. It's going to separate. And eventually, you know, you're going to be like a John Piper, farewell, Rob Bell. You're, you're going to, you're going to have to do that. Some, <laughs> right. You're going to have to do that at some point. So I'm thinking as this plays out, that's the thing. Like you're going, sadly, you're going to lose some people and they will, mm-hmm. they go straight into heresy. And, and that's the looming catastrophe part of the title yeah. of the subtitle. Yeah. Right? That we, we are going to lose some people. Yeah, and but then we've, we have, we've we, already lost some people. Yeah. yeah, but then we have a trouble of, yeah. I think it's like a lapsy controversy thing. Like, what are you going to do with the leaders <clears throat> that then say, hey, we, we missed this. Yeah. For worldview or for courage, we missed this. How, how do they... How do we get guys to come back on the right side when the inevitable comes, at least from our vantage point, it's inevitable. You're not going to be able to actually stay over there. That's the question, man. 
And uh, I'm interested in what both your brothers have to say about that. And my own thinking on it is this. I want them back. I mean, we need them. I've looked some of these guys in the eye and said, we need you in this fight. Mm -hmm. We need you at your best. Please come help us. And they haven't. And evidently they're not going to. But God willing, at one point, some point, they're going to see, yeah, okay, we, we can't stay silent. And when they come back, and praise God, I want them back. But they failed as leaders. I, you don't you don't have a position of leadership and fail to the destruction of the people who are following you and then say, oops, okay, now I'm going to lead over here. I, I think you just need to kind of confess your sin, acknowledge your failure, and be faithful in whatever sphere you've got, but don't don't expect people to keep following you. You've given that up. That's not for you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really honestly don't know. Um, I agree with you in, in that I hope that at some point, um, you know, the dam breaks at some point, um, you know, all of this shakes out the way that, that we all hope it will and that uh, eventually some of this becomes a bridge too far. Mm. What's after that? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't. But you know, I, mean, I, I hear from too many pastors, too many churches. I, yesterday, I mean, we had people from churches all over, and some that came from long distances uh, to be here to hear you, be here for the day, and uh, with tears, weeping, twenty-year members, elders in churches, saying this stuff has come in, and uh, I'm the only elder that's trying to stand against it. We've had to leave our church after twenty-five years. My wife has this you know, wonderful ministry to women and. And how many more churches have to be destroyed by this when the watchmen on the wall that we have trusted for years yeah. keep saying, you know, it's not that bad. It's a fad. I, I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a boogeyman. Yeah, boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a boogeyman. Yeah. And I, I love these guys, but we can't follow them. I can't commend them. Yeah. yeah I, I'm wondering if one of the things to do, if you're on the right side of the fault line, is just begin to build and form a new coalition, you know, um, mm. like a new gospel coalition. I mean, you yeah. mentioned you were the gospel coalition, and then you wrote what you wrote, and then you get canceled from that. And But trying to actually say, um, we care about, we actually care about law. So when you're watching, you know, we were looking at Jamar Tisby earlier and as Jamar is working out his ethic hard he, he's working out an ethic um, the response is not to say well we don't want to work out an ethic you shouldn't be working out an ethic you know it's like no we want to work out an ethic but yours isn't biblical That's we right. want to work out the biblical ethic we do care we also like um, Abraham Kuyper and so here is here's the vision here's a banner being raised for those who are clearly on the right side of this fault line Here's a banner being raised because people are saying, well, who am I supposed to trust? Well, you certainly are only are supposed to trust people that are on the right side of this fault line. And then in addition to that, you want to trust people that can kind of see the times to say, yeah, this is why we got here. I think a lot of guys went woke because they there was something missing. You know, there was like, I want to actually love my neighbor. And then they somehow bought into a pagan law. This is what it means. Yeah, they bought right. into a pagan law. But hey, you know, shame on those who weren't actually loving neighbor well, yeah. who weren't who were allowing these ideologies and this cultural, you know, decay to happen. 
that because there wasn't an answer. So I think we still need that answer. And it's almost like, regardless of what happens with the leaders that are on the wrong side, let's let the new leaders just build, develop, write statement of affirmations and denials, doctrine, practice, uh, institutions, organizations, let's just go. And then whoever comes, comes. Yeah. We'll just, that yeah. way they have something built for them. And it won't just be when you cross over the fault line to the good side, you're just against all yeah. the bad stuff. It's like, right. well, what are we for? I think we just need to keep running in that direction. I think yeah. we are and need to encourage more and more people to. And, and one of the reasons I think that's important is because the other side has very effectively um, changed the rules of the game. And, and what I mean by that is this. When you have discussions with people, um, they're saying, okay, fine. You don't like the critical social justice movement, but what's your answer to mm -hmm. racial injustice? Mm -hmm. We, we can't allow it to be framed like that yeah. because the very concept of racial injustice basically assumes their definitions because racial injustice means disparities, right? So if you're saying that I have, an, I have to have an answer for ending disparities, you're saying that the only way that I can play is if I accept mm -hmm. the rules as you've laid them down. And what I'm saying is I reject your category. Hey, man. I, I reject the idea that, you know, discrepancies between groups of people is, you know, sort of <laughs> it, it, <laughs> inherently that, evil. That, that is inherently evil. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. So I think, you know, to your point of, you know, having statements and being clear and defining terms. Again, it's one of the things that I try to do in the book is define terms so that people don't get caught in these, you know, yeah. these, these Kafka traps yeah. that are being set. And because of that, I mean, you're absolutely right. The only way out of this is for us to be clear and define terms and make sure that people understand mm. exactly what we're saying and exactly what we're not saying. Yeah. There's three things, I think, that uh, have to be recovered, and we've, we've been trying to do this. One is a biblical metaphysic. We need to get back to the reality that this is God's world. He's created. Genesis 1-1. I mean, that's yeah. foundational. Second, we've touched on it here, law and gospel. Yeah. God has spoken about his world, the rules of his world, the rules of his house, his yes. church, and for his creatures who bear his image. And the third is the lordship of Christ that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth and that all other authority has been delegated by him for him. If we can recover those three things and start thinking biblically in those three areas, I, I think the foundation will emerge on which we must build to do exactly what you're yeah. describing has to be done. Yeah. Amen. Somebody yeah. pass an offering plate. Let's sing doxology. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, sing I mean, but this, this is why I mean, you wrote the book. This is why we started the Institute of Public Theology. Yeah. This is why we've been trying to hammer the things we've been hammering the last few years at Founders Ministries. And uh, by God's grace, he's, he's empowering us and strengthening us to keep moving forward. Uh, I'm looking forward to the yeah. next several years to yeah. seeing how God will continue to lead. And this conversation is important because, you know, we talked we were talking about this earlier this is not just a race thing. And so the, I, I'm, the people that are going to be against wokeness, 
Uh, but, but then even the guys that are against wokeness and characterize it as merely as a race thing. Well, you know, you're totally missing yeah, the yeah, point. Yeah. And so we do need this bigger conversation we've just had because we're dealing with a, I, it feels like a Geneva moment to me. I mean, it feels like a, a historic moment. I know everybody always thinks they're in one, but yeah. it, it, it certainly, I mean, look at what's happening in our culture. Look at the chaos that is going on around us. Yeah. And so what's happening in this evangelical fault line is mapping on, everybody knows, it's mapping on to what's happening in our culture. And the answer, I think, is deep. It's like to the law and the prophets. It's, right. it's much deeper right. than just some superficial, if we just get our guy into the White House, if we just get our right guy in the SBC. I mean, like the Ed Litton thing. Here's the deal. Uh, should Ed Litton be removed from SBC? Hands down. Piece of cake. There are hundreds of people that are ready to take his place who have the exact same presuppositions he does. Right, yeah. And we need to realize that an exchange of bureaucrats does not a reformation make. And and we must go deeper if we're actually going to deal with this very fault line you know, that we're facing. Let, let's continue this conversation. Uh, let's uh, wrap this one up and yeah, have another one. But before we do that, I, I just want to go back to uh, a point that you were making, Jared, this idea of, of the the significance of this moment, the magnitude of this moment. I think that's another fault line. One of the things that I'm seeing is that a way to identify where people are on this, at least one way, is the people who say that this is an historic moment and the other people who say, it's a fad. It's a fad. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you, you, you know, <laughs> putting their mask on yeah. to go anywhere, yeah. to buy anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, no, a, it's just it's, a, it's just a fad. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think what what a lot of people are doing, I, and I think a lot of those people who who get this, and who for the sake of relationships uh, have tried to you know play both sides against the middle. Uh, one of the ways that they're doing that is by downplaying it yeah. and saying, no, this is just a fad. And those guys over there who are railing against it, you know, they're overreacting. That's right. Extremists. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, man. It's whistling in the dark yeah. and they're hoping that it's not true. Well, this has been a great conversation. Hey, uh, we want to give away an autographed copy of Fault Lines. So if you will follow Founders Ministries and IOPT and Bodie Balkum Ministries on social media and share this episode, then we will enter you in a drawing and we'll select somebody to send an autographed copy of Fault Lines to. Bodie, thanks for being with us and uh, let's Absolutely. have another conversation to talk about where to from here. Part two. Yeah, what do we do? 